Well, hello, and God bless you. Welcome to BlendCouragesYou.com, where we are here with the word from the Lord to help keep you encouraged to stay on the wall for the Lord. My name is Blend, and I give God praise, glory, and honor for being here with all of you on this episode number 280 of our podcast. Well, BCU family, we were together last week and we were talking about this topic and we are going to finish it up. So please take this time to go ahead and get your Bibles, your notebooks, a writing utensil and settle on in. Blaine encourages you is coming to you with part two of Dysfunction, It Runs in the Family. That's what's coming up next. All right, everyone, we are going to get into our podcast content momentarily. Right now, I'd love to take a few moments to establish protocol. Whether you are a longtime listener or a first time listener, we are so elated and we give God praise for you choosing BlendCouragesYou.com as a source to get your encouragement through the word of God. And if you have not already done so, I'd love for you to consider making our relationship permanent. How do you do that? Well, let's start with where are you listening from today? Are you on the BlendCouragesYou.com site? Perhaps you're on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, PodFriend, Podcast Guru, Player FM, Overcast, there are a myriad of different platforms where BlendCouragesYou.com can be accessed. So whatever that platform is, wherever that is, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And guess what? That gets you in as a part of the BCU family. Welcome. All right, everyone. So before we get into the podcast content, and I promise we're going to get there momentarily, I just needed to give you all a quick synopsis of what happened last time we were together. If you did not listen to part one of the podcast series, it's a good idea to go back so that you have some continuity. As a synopsis, I was chosen to God's glory to actually teach on a topic at church and the official title of the topic was the dynamics of family leadership. Now in that study, BCU fam, in talking about family leadership, I learned about dysfunction. Now dysfunction defined is something that does not operate properly or it deviates from what's considered normal. And in many of our families, we have some sort of dysfunction. Sometimes it's a physical situation where maybe something is passed down from family member to family member, you know, genetically speaking. Other times it's types of behavior that deviate from what society calls normal. Now, no matter what the dysfunction is in our families, we all have dysfunction because sin is a dysfunction. Anything that operates outside of what the word of God says is a dysfunction and it causes problems. Now, the good news is, is that God knows all of that and that he saves us and he chooses us and uses us for his glory, his honor and his praise, no matter what 
the dysfunction is. And we're going to see a very clear example of that or continue to see that as we are looking at the book of Genesis. And we are going to start in Genesis chapter 38, where there starts some dysfunction and then the Lord finishes or fixes that in order for his lineage to come forth. So I don't want to talk too much about what we're talking about. I'm excited about it. Nonetheless, let me just go ahead and (laughs) get myself together, allow you all to listen to what the Lord has to say, and then I'll come back at the end to wrap up and then to pray. So take a listen. Now, when we think about Reuben, though, 
we have to think about the dysfunction because this is not the first time that these kinds of things have happened in the family. We go back to Abram and he uh, lied about Sarai being his wife, remember? So we had that deception. And then Isaac did the same thing with Abimelech. Uh, Rebecca and Isaac, they were going, uh, not Rebecca and Isaac, Rebecca and Jacob were going back conspiring. So this is a long line of dysfunction, right? We talked about this. It runs in the family. It runs in the family. And this is why we need God. God allows us to happen so we know we need him. We need him to break the cycle of this dysfunction. We need him. We need him. Yes, Lord. All right. Now, let's go to verse number 23. And the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Iskar, and Zebulon, and the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan, and Nabali, and the sons of Ziklah, Leah's handmaid, Gad, and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Padamaram. And the reason why it's listed out here for the sons is because these are going to be the patriarchs or the 12 tribes of Israel. So there were some daughters there as well, but this, the Lord is laying this out so we understand this is where everyone comes from. All right? Now, verse number 27. And Jacob came into Isaac, his father, into Mamre, and into the city of Abra, which is in Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were 104 score years. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So now Isaac is gone, and now it's Jacob. Now, uh, Genesis 36 talks about Esau and how he got married in his family line. So you can read that in the quietness of your home. And then uh, Genesis chapter 37 is dedicated to Joseph. And we know that story. So that's, that's a good one. So you want to read that whenever you get a chance. This is going to take us now to chapter number 38 in Genesis because there's some deception that's going to happen. So go with me to Genesis chapter 38. And I know our lesson goes to verse, uh, start to verse 24. We're going to start at the top because we need all of the context we can get. Let's start at the top. Verse number one. All right. We got to get that background. All right, Genesis 38, chapter uh, 30, 38, verse 1. All right, and it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And remember that Judah was the fourth son of Jacob, or now called Israel. So he's moved away from his family. And Judah saw there was a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went into her. So now we've got Judah. He moves away from everybody, and he establishes a home in a town called Adullam, and he has a friend there named Hira, who, and he takes a wife. Now, what's interesting to note here is that although the people of God have been repeatedly warned not to marry those outside of where they're supposed to be, he married a Canaanite person anyway. Uh, dysfunction, right? The Lord already told us what to do, and we're going to do what we want to do anyway. So there's going to be some dysfunction. Anytime we deviate from what the Word of God says, dysfunction. And the dysfunction and sin, it all goes hand in hand. All right. And she conceived, that was Judah's wife, and bare a son, and called his name Ur. And she conceived again, and bare a son, and called his name Onan. And she conceived yet again, 
and bear a son and called his name uh, Shelah. And he was at Chesbiz when she bare him. Now, verse number six says, and Judah took a wife for Er, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord slew him. Can you imagine? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he did. I don't know, and I don't need to know. I don't want to be so wicked that the Lord decides that it's time for me to go. I know that. That had to be some wickedness. Ooh, Lord, the Lord let you come here, and you died because you're not doing what you're supposed to. No, indeed. So he slew him. Verse number eight said, And Judah said to Onan, Go into thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother. Now, we had this lesson a little while back, so this should be pretty familiar. Now, the oldest son was Ur. Okay, we talked about that. Um, and he's probably um, just, just, just wicked and evil, and God only knows what happened there. Now, in the custom in that time with Levirate marriage, what happened is, is that if a woman married someone and her husband passed away, you were supposed to marry the wife. The brother was supposed to, to keep that, that lineage going. So that was just the law at that particular time. It sounds strange now, but at that time, that's the way that things were set up. Yeah, I know that's right, because, yeah, when I think of, never mind. So, <laughs> oh, Lord, <laughs> we thank God for grace coming on the scene. Thank God. Ooh, thank you, Jesus, for some grace. Yes, Lord. So, that law said that the childless widow should be given in marriage to the late husband's brother. So, again, the purpose of this custom was also to provide um, security, because in that time, women didn't work like we do now. Now a lot of women work, they're educated, have money, things like that. At that time, women were basically housewives and they did things, you know, outside as far as uh, maybe with the cattle and things like that, but the men brought the money in. So uh, that custom of men working and taking care of women comes from the beginning, that comes from Genesis. So there's nothing wrong with that. Now our society has changed and we wanna do things differently and sometimes we have to. You know, when we think about Ruth, she had to do that. So, but um, what should happen is that, you know, the man should be taking care of the woman. Now, people don't want to hear that. I know we get a little flack about that. That's, that's just where it is. It's the Bible. That's all there is to it. So, again, customs have changed, and sometimes it's necessity. But basically speaking, the male is the head, and he's supposed to take care of things, and the woman is supposed to be the helper. Yes. Amen. That's, that's just the word of God. Yes. And because we've gotten past that, there's a dysfunction. See that? Because we've gotten past that, because we don't do things God's way, it's the dysfunction. That's what it is. But that's okay, because we've got God to take care of that. All right, let's go further. Now, verse number nine of Genesis chapter 38. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass, when he went into his brother's wife, that he spilled it ooh, on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. So he was okay when it was time to, you know, turn out the lights. But, you know, he didn't want to be responsible, sounds like to me. And um, this did not please the Lord. So much so, in verse number 10, that the Lord slew him also. Didn't follow what the Lord said. The Lord said, you know what? Okay, you're out of here as well. My Lord. So he's not interested in carrying on his brother's name or inheritance. He just wanted to, you know, go in a special room and, you know, get taken care of and go on about his business. The Lord was not about that, though. No. All right. So now 
we go to verse number 11. So Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, you know, remain a widow. Yeah, just remain a widow at your father's house. Go on back home. Go to your father's house and remain a widow till my son Shelah be grown. For he said, lest peradventure also <laughs> he die as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt at her father's house. Now, that same custom, he has another son, that's what was supposed to happen. Now, I don't know if Judah thought that Tamar was doing something. I don't know what the, the story was, but he had no intention of allowing his son to marry Tamar. So he's saying her back a widow to stay widowed and childless in her father's house while you know his son was going to go and marry someone else. So Judah's intentions were not pure. They were not right. Now, I understand his fear, but he didn't acknowledge the Lord. He just did what he thought he was supposed to do. But the Lord was going to deal with him and that as well, as we'll see. All right. In verse number eight, verse number 12, rather. And in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went into the sheep shearers in Timrah and his friend Hira, the Adulamite. So they're out and doing their thing. And it was told to Tamar, verse 13, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Tamar to shear his sheep. <laughs> so she's thinking, well, what's going on here? You know, the son should be grown by now. No one's called. No one sent a donkey by to say, come on and let's get me. What, what's going on here? So Tamar, you know, she heard the wheels start to turn in her mind. She starts to think. So she realizes, you know what? There's no marriage coming. And the situation is hopeless. Here I am sitting here in my widow's garments all of these years waiting for this promise that my father-in-law was supposed to fulfill and he hasn't done it. So she says, hmm, I'm going to get me a little plan going on here. I'm going to hatch up a little scheme. Yeah, she's going to deal with that real nice. So she rolls up and she takes off those widow's garments. I'm taking off all this black and all this heaviness. I'm not going to do that. And she covered her face with a veil. And she wrapped up herself in an open place, which was by the way of Temnon, where she saw that uh, Shalah was grown and that she was not giving to him to wife. So she actually saw. So I don't know if he was already married, but she saw this with her own eyes. All right. So when Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot because she had covered her face. Now, so she figured out where he was traveling and she changes her clothes and she just sets herself up in a place where harlots would actually be. So, and he turned unto her, by the way, and said, mm -hmm. go to, I pray thee, and let me come into thee. Right. For he knew not that that was his daughter-in-law. Right. So, yeah, he said, oh, yeah, looking good. Come on over here. I ain't no wife no more. And you looking kind of sweet. Come on over here. So, yeah, he's liking that. So, <laughs> and she said, well, what you going to give me? <laughs> what are you going to give me that I may come into you? So I, I need to know what, what you're going to offer me here because this is not free. I need to know. So in negotiating her fee, she didn't have to have, he didn't have to have money. Just give me something. Give me something. And this was a gamble because she could have been found out. He could have took the veil off her face. It, this was a gamble, but she went ahead and did it anyway. So verse number 17 says that he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and send you this, this goat. And she said, well, give me a pledge. I need something because this is just your word. I need something tangible so that I know you're going to do this for me. So obviously he was, um, you know, a little 
he was ready. Let me just put it that way. He was ready. So he says, okay, um, I'll give you, uh, okay. She said, what about that signet and that bracelets and the staff that's in my hand? So she's naming all these things. And he gave it to her. He just, here, take it. Yeah, I'm ready. Take it all. Take it all. (laughs) All right. And he came into her and she conceived by him. All right. So she arose after everything was taken care of. And she went away, verse number 19, and laid by her veil away from her and put on the garments of her widow. But she just went and put her clothes right back on like nothing ever happened. All right. (laughs) Verse number 20 says, and Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand. But he found her not. Because wherever the harlots were, um, that was their regular spot. And she wasn't one. She just happened to be down there that day. So where is she? You know, where's this lady? What happened? And um, his friend asked the men of that place, saying, where is the harlot that was openly here by the wayside? And they said, there's no harlot in this place. Oh, what's going on here? And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also, the men of the place said that there was no harlot in this place. So Judah's like, oh, let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. So there's nothing that can be done. They don't know where she is. I guess he figures, well, she's got the signet and everything. We're all good. And he just figures that this will never come back up again, ever again. Now, again, when we do things like this, the Lord has a way of showing it up later on. He has a way of doing that. Oh, boy, because he didn't want to risk being laughed at or the story getting out, so he wasn't going to do a proclamation to try to find her, we'll just keep quiet and uh, see what happens. So, verse number 24. And it came to pass that after, or about three months later, that it was told to Judah. Somebody went and told him, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. You know, the people that like to spread things don't have all their information. Let that not be named among us saints. Nobody asked her anything. They just saw that she had the baby bump and just decided to to fill in the blanks. There's danger in filling in the blanks. If you don't have the whole story from the person, we need to pray and be quiet and be led of the Lord. All right. And also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And because she wasn't married, they filled in the blanks. And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. Oh, he's ready. Probably had his little sticks rubbing them together. He was ready to burn her up. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Hadn't asked not one question. Hadn't, hadn't talked to her at all. He's just ready to execute judgment. And, you know, we, we can't even fault Judah because we do that same thing. Oh, they should go to the state. They should be burned. They should be shut. We, we need to get the whole story and be quiet because, you know, if it was us, we'd want a little mercy, would we not? I know I need every bit of mercy I can get. So let's get the whole thing before we start trying to say what should happen to people. Oh, Lord. That's right. And, and Pastor was just saying, David said the same thing. Oh, he was incensed, right? When Nathan told him that story about how the ewe lamb and how, how the man had this little ewe lamb and raised it up as a child, it was a part of the family, and this man came and took the ewe lamb and slept. Oh, this man should, he was ready to pronounce judgment. And Nathan said, that man is you. So that taught me, be quiet. Let's just be quiet and not say too much of anything. Let the entire story come out. Let the Lord deal with it. If the Lord didn't tell me to say anything, I'm going to be quiet. Be quiet. All right. 
<laughs> so they went down to the house to get her because remember, she's at her father's house. So they bring her on up to where Judah is. And when she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law saying, by the man whose these are, I am with child. Discern, I pray thee, look at this. Tinkle, 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 tinkle. So it was great. <laughs> whose are these, she said, thy signet and thy bracelets and that. Who, whose are these? Whose are these? And I can only imagine that all the color drained on out of his face when he saw that this was his. Ooh, can you imagine? Yeah, he, he probably, woo! <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And Judah had no choice, verse number 26, but to acknowledge them and said, she has been more righteous than I because I gave her not to my son, Shalom, and he knew her again no more. So stunning revelation. She provides this proof. And uh, at this point, there's nothing that can be done. So there's not going to be any burning today. Nobody's going to, she's going to live. She's going to live. All right. Verse number 27 says, and it came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass that when she travailed, that one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound his hand with a scarlet thread saying, this came out first. And it came to pass, he drew back his hand and behold, his brother came out and she said, how has thou broken forth? This is the midwife. This breach shall be upon thee. Therefore, his name shall be called Ferris. And there's some significance there. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And afterward came out his brother and the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. So Tamar gives birth to the twin boys, and um, that, that we go from there. We're going to skip to uh, chapter 49 in just a little minute. So now we've got these twins. And all of this, believe it or not, is in the plan of God. We're going to see those dots connect because through all this deception and through all of this trickery and all these things that are going on, this is still God's plan. Now, God doesn't authorize us to do that. Now, that's not a license for us to just go around tricking people and things like that, but God has a way of doing things and allowing things to happen that work together for our good. We're going to see that. So, that's uh, Genesis chapter 38. So, we've got the deception. We've got the disrespect. We've got the deception. And now that we've got that going on, let's see how God's grace and mercy comes in. And let's see what happens with all of what's gone on so far. So we're going to skip to Genesis chapter 49. 49. The preceding chapters are all about Joseph. So go to 49. We're going to read the entire chapter. Joseph is now back with his brothers. God be glorified. And let's see what the end is going to be. So Genesis 49. All right. And Jacob, who is now called Israel, called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you which shall befall you in the last days. So he's on his deathbed. And a lot of times at that time, they would just walk down their children because they know their children and say, here's what's going to happen to you. These are called blessings or predictions. Blessings do not always mean you get a mansion and a yacht and, and a bag of money. We all, we, a lot of us equate blessings to all that sort of thing. Sometimes somebody can speak something over you and that is a blessing. Uh, blessing means to speak well of. So uh, in some of this, there was some speaking well and some other things, not so much. Let's check it out. All right. 
Uh, let's see. Verse number two. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. Reuben, 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 thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. I can imagine that Reuben stood up.
So that's unreliable. It means that you don't make good decisions, that you're double-minded, and you go back and forth. And a leader can't be that way. A leader can't give in to every impulse and every situation because they want to. So if you call yourself a leader and no one is following you, you're just taking a walk. You're just taking a walk. So he couldn't be the leader. God could not use him. There was no repentance there. There was nothing there at all. He just did what he did and, and didn't ever say anything, didn't acknowledge it, nothing. So God could not use him in that way to lead the children of Israel. All right? So we want to be sure that we're not unstable at all. A double-minded man is unstable. How many other ways? All his, just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. When you think about water and the ocean, it just back and forth. Yes and no. Well, yeah, no, yeah, no. Well, maybe, yeah, just going back and forth. And when we're in God, God stabilizes our minds. He'll let us know exactly what to do. We just have to call on him and we have to want to yield to him in order to get it done. So we don't want to be unstable. That's not a compliment. All right. Now, um, his tribe is going to be known for their indecisiveness. So because of that, that tribe, that particular tribe, always been decisive. Always has been and always will be. All right. Verse number five. Verse number five of Genesis 49. Now we got the other two brothers here, Simeon and Levi, our brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. That means that's in their minds, that, that's in their hearts, all right? And then verse number six says, O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor, and be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will, they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. And I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So now this is talking about what happened with Dinah. Now, their sister was defiled, and she was raped, and they were upset about it. But they did not consult the Lord as to what to do. What to do. They took matters into their own hands. So what happened was, is that they, they decided to conspire and say, listen, yeah, you can have my sister if everyone gets circumcised. Mm-hmm. So all the adult men. Now, we're in an age now where there's uh, pain management, things like that. At that time, that was painful and debilitating. It's done to babies when they're young because, you know, they don't feel as much and they can, they can handle it. But a grown person being circumcised, It was debilitating. So what they did, Simeon and Levi tricked these people into saying, well, listen, yeah, 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 you can marry her, but just make sure you do this first. Mm -hmm. So there we go, the deception, right? You all can see that, that dysfunction and deception. And then what they did while they're all down and hurting, they came in and slew everybody. These men had no strength. They're here hurting and trying to recover and hobbling and all that sort of thing. And they came in and slew them. And then on top of it, they took the animals and, and, and they, 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 um, they hurt the animals. Now, the horses and things like that, they broke their legs and, and the oxen, which were animals of peace. So they went in and they just annihilated everything. So they had no mercy at all. All of this because of what happened. No mercy at all. And they felt like they wanted to get revenge. And that in itself is a dysfunction. And I see that so often when I watch the news. It vexes me sometimes because... 
you, you can see where people want to get back at people. They're doing something. Well, so-and-so did something to me. There was something that happened a while back where somebody went into a museum and destroyed all of this stuff because his girlfriend, uh, yeah, had broken up with him. So you're going to get back at her by tearing up other people's things? This is a dysfunction. This is why we need Jesus. The Bible lets us to know that we are not to avenge ourselves. Because God will take care of us. If somebody wronged us, if somebody did something to us, God saw it. Now, he chose not to intervene at that particular time for a reason. For a re- He could have stopped it if he wanted to because he's God Almighty. And if he didn't, there's a reason behind it and we have to trust him. We've got to trust him with taking care of it. And we're not walking around looking for it. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Lord to get, get you back. That's not what we do. That's not what the word tells us to do. We're to continue to praise God and to serve him and let the Lord take care of them. Amen. So we never want to take matters into our own hands because we will always overdo it. We will always overdo it. And that's outside of the will of God. And because they did that, because they strung up these animals and did all these types of things, neither of those tribes will possess much of the promised land. The tribe of Levi went to the priests with no established territories, so they were out of the running 100%. So you have messed your life up by that one thing that you did. There are things that we can't come back from, saints. There are certain things we can't come back from. Can't come back from it. So we don't want that to happen to us. Let that not be named among us. All right, verse number eight now goes to Judah, son number four. Judah! Thou art whom he, the brethren whom thou shalt praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up and stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rise him up. The scepter, and that's our, our key verse, our main thought. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and until him the gathering of the people shall be. Binding his foal to the vine, to the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth will be white as milk. Now, when we think about Judah, now, he wasn't 100% clean, right? He, he did have his deception. Judah tried to make up, though, and, and he did take care of what he needed to. He didn't burn Tamar. He didn't put it away. He didn't deny it. He made sure that he took care of what he needed to. And that, to me, is a sign of a repentant heart. Now, dysfunction, absolutely, but God saw something in Judah that he could use him. Let's talk about this. So Now, Judah's tribe is going to be great. It's going to be great. So this fourth son of Jacob or Israel will be the ancestor of the, of the most high of Israel's kings and rulers. So kings are going to come out of him. So the preeminence is taken away from Reuben. So Reuben can't have it. And then the prosperity of Judah is depicted. So what it's saying here is, is that he's going to be so blessed that his vineyard and his uh, vineyard and his vines will be strong enough to hold fast a donkey and the produce of his vines will be abundant so that he could wash his garments in wine. So that's saying something that he's going to produce things so much so that if he wanted to, he could wash his clothes in wine. Think about how we wash our clothes in water 
he could do that in wine. And wine was something that was a commodity and cost a lot of money at that time. So that's how blessed he was going to be. So wine would be abundant as water. Um, the quantity would be sufficient to meet um, a man's capacity to consume it. And the cattle would prosper so much so, he'd have so much cattle around him, that milk will be readily available. So that talks about the whiteness of the teeth. So he was going to be blessed uh, both uh, spiritually and in abundance with possession as well. And on top of that, kings were going to come from him. We'll talk about that coming up. So this goes on, uh, chapter 49 goes on to talk about the rest of the sons and what's going to go on with them. So Zebulon shall dwell in the haven of the sea. Um, Ishkar uh, was going to be one that uh, would be associated with uh, military, uh, Zebulon in some way with trading. Uh, Ishkar is also known for hard work. Dan is going to be like a uh, lurking serpent uh, for his military skills. Asher's prediction involves food and abundance, and that valley will be uh, associated with independence and beauty. Now, Joseph. Uh, was a fruitful bow, and we saw what happened with Joseph. He became the ruler or the governor uh, at that time in Egypt. So he, the Lord had blessed him in his own right. But interestingly enough, uh, Joseph wasn't the one chosen to lead. It was Judah that was going to be the leader. So, you know, God chooses whom he will. It doesn't matter about your birth order or your past or whatever the case may be. God chooses for us to do whatever it is that he wants to do because he knows us, because he made us. Uh, Psalm 100 says, it is he that made us and not we ourselves. So he's the one that bestows the different gifts and talents and, and assignments and things to us. So we just have to trust that whoever God uses, that's who he uses. Whoever he uses, he chooses. So we're not to question that. Why them and not me? God just does what he does. Some things we can't, we can't uh, call out. All right. And then Benjamin, of course, was one of strength. So when we think about what happened here with Judah... Um, out of the line, is we can trace back Christ's lineage. So go with me to the book of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in the King James Version, Matthew chapter 1. of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. And Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah, it says Judas here, Judah and his brethren. So we can see Judah clearly right here, all right? And Judah begat Pharaoh and Zerah of Tamar. So we can see that. And Pharaoh begot Esram, and Esram begot Aram, and Aram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nason, and Nason begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz of Rachab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth. So we get the story of Ruth here. And Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David begot Solomon which had been of the wife of Uriah. So you can see that the Lord kept his word, that kings would come from his yes. loins. So we can see that David and Solomon came from those loins. And you can see back where even Tamar was involved. So you can see that God was involved in all of this. 
all of this. And then it goes on all the way down. Let's just read it all the way down. And Solomon begot Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begot Abia, and Abia begot Asa, all these kings. And Asa begot Josaphat, and Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram Ozias, and Ozias Jotham, and Jotham Achaz, and Achaz Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas Ammon, and Ammon Josias, and Josias Jechonus, and his brethren, about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconahas begot Saepho, Saepho with Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abuad, and Abuad Elkiam, and Elkiam Azor, and Azor Sadok, and Sadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliud, and Eliud begat Elazar, and Elazar begat Mathen, and Mathen begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom born Jesus, who is called Christ. Yes. Look at that. It does not matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if your mom wasn't married to your dad. It doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter the deception. If all of these people can be used in the lineage of Christ, what more can he do with us? Yes. Jesus Christ didn't have this pure blood type of thing going on. There were all kinds of people in his bloodline, yet he came out of that. Amen? So God can save any of us. He can use any of us. It does not matter. Do not let your circumstances, your background, who told you what, even stop you from being used and from being saved. It doesn't matter because Jesus came to take care of all of it. Every last bit of it. Amen? We don't have to be bound by our past. We don't have to be bound by what runs in the family. We don't have to be bound by what auntie said and you'll never be anybody and never do anything. That's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus does things. Jesus cleans us up. Jesus saves us. Jesus heals us. Jesus uses it, uses us. That's what he does. Don't let anything, anyone, anytime let you let you think that you can't be used of God. And being used of God doesn't mean that you always have to be on a platform or in front of people. Just going into the grocery store, going to work, our lives are a testimony. Everything that we do is in service to God. For the job that I do and I, I teach people, I am doing that as unto the Lord and to no one else. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. If we're taking care of our families, whatever we do, it's because God has gifted us to do it. We all have talents. We all have gifts. We all have assignments. And God has called us to do it. He knows what we can do. He gives us things to our several ability. So whatever it is that we do, let's do it heartily and as unto the Lord. And not fussing and not complaining or murmuring or, or being angry about it. It's what God has assigned us. And we can't pick our assignments. I know because if I could pick mine, I'd probably be laying on the couch all day. But we don't pick our assignments. <laughs> I, you know, I'd probably be all lazy if I could pick mine. Anybody with me? I don't know. I don't want to do no hard work. The flesh doesn't want to do that. <laughs> I see some hands up there. The flesh doesn't want to do it. The flesh doesn't want to get up and do things. But God doesn't save us to sit. He saves us to do something. So whether we're dealing with our kids or our grandkids, whatever it is, we are to do it heartily and unto the Lord because we're going to be rewarded for everything that we do. Colossians chapter 3 tells us that, that God rewards us for everything. And we have to give an account for everything that we do in this body. So we want to be sure family, that what we do is ordained by God. We want to be sure that we're hearing from him, that we're connected to him, and that we're not allowing people to stop us from doing things. I came from an environment uh, way back when, uh, when I went to church, that only certain people could do certain things. 
and because the administration was in place, and we thank God for them, I'm not saying anything bad, but because there was an administration in place, you couldn't do anything but sit. That, that's what your job was to sit. Occasionally when there was a service, you might be able to do something, and you sat. And the Lord brought me out of that to show that I can do something else. Because in my mind, I would never do anything other than just sit and be a, a, a spectator. And that's all I thought I was going to do. And that was normal to me. And it wasn't until the Lord brought me out to say, you know, you have this gift. And someone had to tell me about it. I didn't know. But the Lord brought me out. And that's how the Lord can do for all of us. All of us can do something for God. All of us can. It doesn't have to be in a huge capacity. The, when we think about the, bi the body and how it works, we've got things on the outside. And there are things on the inside. The things on the inside, we don't always think about or revere as much as the outside. We're, we're all about this part. And that's fine. But the inside is just as important. If that gallbladder stops working or isn't working properly, it's going to cause some problems. If that spleen isn't doing what it's supposed to do with the pancreas, it's going to cause some problems. So every part of the body is important. So whether we are the head, the eyes, the ears, the spleen, the toenail, the, the eyebrow, the eyelash, whatever it is, we want to make sure that we are functioning and doing what God has called us to do and functioning at full capacity. You may never be in front of anybody, but that's okay. Do what God has called you to do and make sure that you've got the Holy Ghost down on the inside. I cannot emphasize that enough. We're living in a time now where people feel like that the Holy Ghost is optional and that you don't need it and, and whatnot. We need Jesus down on the inside. It's not enough to just to confess. We, we got to go further than that. That's the first step. Believing and, and confessing is the first step. We've got to go further, and we need to make sure that Jesus is down on the inside. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how many things you do. It doesn't matter how many clothes you give away and all these other sorts of things. You have to have Jesus down on the inside. That, and the way that you know that you have Jesus on the inside is that you speak in another language where the Spirit of God gives utterance. Acts chapter 2 tells us all about it. I was reading that with my sister the other day. Acts chapter 1 and 2 tells us all about it. If you don't know, then make sure. Make your call and election sure. It's not too late. It's not too late. If you've been lax in doing what you're supposed to do for God, it's not too late. It's still daytime. We don't know how much daytime we have. Let's make sure that our accounts are in order. We can see that this world is waxing worse and worse and worse. There was a, a story on the news that this doctor, this is an anesthesiologist, going around putting stuff in IV bags and killing people, killed a fellow doctor, and was on administrative uh, leave or action, and they still let this man decide to, to, to put things in people's IVs? And, and they're looking the wrong way, looking the other way, acting like this didn't happen. We, we can see this wickedness. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. My God, I need him. There, this is not a time to try to make it on your own. We can't make it without him. We can't make it without him. We got to hold on to him with a, a kung fu grip is what somebody said. Back in the day, there was this little this little thing my brother had. I, I don't remember what it was. G.I. Joe. Yes, with a kung fu grip. And when that thing gripped, you couldn't get anything out of that hand. Nothing. G.I. It, it held on. So we better hold on to Jesus with that old kung fu grip. Hold on and do not let him go. If you got him, don't let him go. And if you don't have him, get him down on the inside. It's not enough for the outside. We need him down on the inside so that he can take us out of this wicked world and then we can go to heaven where there's no more of this ever again. We won't have to struggle. We won't have to toil. We won't 
have to worry. We won't have to stress. We don't have to go to work. All we do is praise God all day and all night. And I can handle that. I can. The mansion is waiting for us. Think about that. Streets of gold don't need any light because Jesus is the light. What a light that is. This is not the end, y'all. This is not the end. We got something to look forward to. Yeah, we got something to look forward to. Yes, indeed. Oh, BCU family, I pray that you all are rejoicing as I am. This was a great reminder for me that no matter what your background is, no matter what your lineage is, no matter what the dysfunction is that runs in your family, once God chooses you, once he saves you, once he cleans you up, he can use you to his glory, to his honor and to his praise. And you all can see very clearly that out of the 12 sons, out of the 12 sons, the Lord chose the fourth son, Judah, all right, to, to be the leader, uh, so to speak. And then on top of it, chose Judah's bloodline for Christ to come through. And when we think about what happened with Tamar and so many other things within the bloodline of Christ, you know, clearly speaking, BCU fam, if the Lord can use that bloodline for Jesus to come through, that means he can use all of us. It does not matter where we come from. What matters is, is that we are chosen. What matters is, is that we're saved. What matters is, is that we're filled with the Holy Ghost. What matters is, is that we yield our members to Christ to be able to serve him and to represent him well. And this is a reminder to all of you all not to let your background stop you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what they, they, they said at school. It doesn't matter what the family member said and, oh, we'll always be this way. If God tells you differently, then he's told you differently. And if you're saved, you're chosen. And as we said in the actual lesson, you may not be on a platform of where millions and millions of people are able to hear you just in how you carry yourself, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether you are going to the grocery store or taking care of family members, whatever it is, you can serve God in the capacity in which he has endowed you with. And do that with distinction, do that with honor, do that giving God praise, glory, and honor, and he is going to continue to bless you. It doesn't mean that we won't have difficult times, BCU fam. Sometimes we have to endure hardness as a good soldier. Doesn't mean that there won't be some times where we don't understand what God is doing and things like that. It doesn't make us less chosen as we're going through. So I don't want you all to ever feel like your background is holding you back. God is able to work with all of that. That does not frighten him. It does not discourage him. As a matter of fact, sometimes the more dysfunctional uh, we are, the better God can use us. How about that? Because we know it's of him and not of us. So uh, we thank God for that good news on today that God saves and heals in every situation and he uses us. Uh, and that's what he wants to do. Amen.
Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come before you today, Lord, we thank you for the good news and the reminder that you are one that wants to use all of us, Lord. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the all that do, Lord, you want to use them to the full capacity so that they honor you with their lives, that people will be saved, healed, delivered, strengthened, and set free through how we are operating, Lord, with you down on the inside. Speak to someone today, Lord, who may be discouraged or concerned about what their family background is. Remind them, Lord, that you love them, that you created them in the name of Jesus and that you are going to use them, Lord, so that you are honored and magnified in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing for us. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to go forward in the name of Jesus and that you'll continue to get the praise, glory, and honor out of all of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we thank you for this in all things. Let every heart say amen. Amen, BCU family. So I'm excited to run on for Jesus, and I trust that you all are as well. So if anything here was said to bless you, I'd love to hear all about it. So if you're not already on the BlaineCouragesYou.com site, please make your way there. Go down to our conversation board, and let's continue our talk. All right, BCU family, once again, this is Blend from BlaineCouragesYou.com signing off. Thank you all so much for your prayerful support and for listening in and Lord will. And until the next time we are together, may our awesome God bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you and give you all peace as you stay on the wall. <laughs>